Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He, the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We are coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, week one, it is Bears week. Sunday night football to kick off the 2018 season, the Packers 100th season. Lambeau Field, a primetime game. On our Wednesday show, traditionally, we take a look at the opponent, try to take a closer look at them on both sides of the ball. So with the Chicago Bears, I tell you what, it doesn't just start with the fact that Mitch Trubisky is in year two now as uh, the supposed future franchise quarterback here for Chicago, given what they invested in him. But he has an entirely new group of receivers to throw to. We talked about it last year. The Bears were going to have to do something about their receiving core. Well, they did. They revamped the whole thing in the offseason. I think uh, if the Bears were, I think they'd say the same thing. There was a there was a dearth of talent there for about two, three seasons these past few years. And I think what they this past year, they feel like they saw enough from Mitchell Trubisky to convince them that they can press forward. You know, we talked about the Cleo Mack trade earlier this week on defense, but offensively, that was the biggest storyline this year, Mike, is, you know, them bringing in Alec, uh, Allen Robinson, um, you know, Taylor Gabriel's in this offense now. Uh, certainly you have Jordan Howard and, and Tarek Coleman as their one-two in the backfield. Right. But giving him more, giving Trubisky more perimeter options was an obvious emphasis in the offseason. And, you know, they're banking on Robinson being able to put his knee injury behind him and, get back on the trajectory it looked like he was on in Jacksonville and also a young guy like Kevin White who they drafted I believe now three years ago and one of the number seventh overall pick yeah, I believe top, he was top 10 pick out of West Virginia there's a there's a lot of hope there as well with him so it's going to be interesting now to see what Trubisky with a little bit more experience and with some you know bigger targets outside what he can do with all of it yeah well the Bears it just for whatever reason, it took them a couple of years to replace Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, because they did have a pretty good receiving core not yeah. that long ago. No, it but it's just taken a while to get back to this point. And one of the interesting facets, I think, of this group, obviously Allen Robinson, a big, big-bodied receiver, um, you know, a real physical guy, as you said, coming back from the knee injury. But the other aspect of this group, when you look at it now, is the speed. Taylor right. Gabriel is one fast dude. And then they drafted Anthony Miller out of Memphis with, I believe, was it third round or second round? Uh, I, I believe it was second. Second round. He I was mean, projected with, with, as a third rounder yeah, originally. They took him in the, in, in the second round. But this is a, a speedy guy, deep threat type of receiver. At least that's what his profile was in college. So there's a lot of speed now on the outside um, and in the slot, for that matter, for the Chicago Bears. This is going to be a different type of matchup for the Packers DBs. I'm glad you brought that up too, Mike, because obviously you can look at you know Robinson and Gabriel and the, the veteran weapons that are there now, but it is they, they put a lot of resources through the draft and the offense as well. Anthony Miller, for my money, he was one of the prospects I was most intrigued by. Uh, if you're familiar with his story, he was a walk-on at Memphis. He's from the Memphis area, had no Division One offers whatsoever, and then he ends up putting together a record-breaking career. I believe broke most of, if not all, of like Tory. Well, not was uh, who was it? Isaac Bruce's records. Yeah, that's, um, that sounds during familiar. the time at Memphis. Yeah, and you know he was a guy. You talk about a guy that I remember at the NFL scouting combine. I talked to him. 
and being a part of his podium. And at that time, people were thinking maybe third or fourth round, and he just kept climbing yep. and climbing and climbing. Uh, and there's a lot of hope there. So I think the biggest thing that they're looking for with, with him, uh, Adam Shaheen also they drafted, but then he ended up getting hurt, the, the really big tight end yeah. uh, from, I believe, the FCS route or Division Two route. Um, whatever the case may be, they have some veterans there and some young guys that they're looking to complement him with. Well, and this is interesting because when you talk about Packers-Bears, obviously there's all the history and everything that goes into the rivalry. But with what the Bears have done at wide receiver and what the Packers have done at cornerback, you're looking at a whole new setup of matchups uh, in this rivalry now. Kevin King is really the only the only member of the Packers as far as the top four cornerbacks who has played against the Bears in the last three years right. because you have Tremont Williams who hasn't played for the Packers since 2014 and you have Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson being the rookie draft picks and we've talked about all these new receivers for the Bears. So these matchups on the perimeter here with Mitch Trubisky calling the shots at quarterback, just a, a completely new set of uh, um, of confrontations uh, in this matchup. We saw during camp, you know, Mike Pettin, you started to get a sense for what he's going to do with the defensive front, what he's looking for from those inside linebackers. The secondary, to me, is still the biggest unknown. Mm -hmm. uh, not because there isn't enough talent there. I think now they've really renovated that spot, and there's so many options, both at cornerback, slot nickel cornerback, what they want to do with their safeties. I think Josh Jones is a guy that could be moving a lot around this defense this year. Um, maybe not necessarily as a hybrid linebacker, but even in the slot of the nickel and dime sub packages. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see a guy like Tremont Williams now at 35 years old, 12 years into his NFL career, <laughs> By all accounts, Mike, the Packers are ready to play him at boundary cornerback. Yep. And you've, sure looks that you've way. You've covered this league a lot longer than I have. I, I was talking to him about this a couple weeks ago. I don't know if I recall that. A lot of times when guys get into their mid to later 30s, they're still playing that position. They're in the slot like uh, Charles Woodson was. Tremont Williams is a different kind of guy, though. He's a different yeah. kind of football player, and it's going to be interesting to see what he can do. Kevin King came back with the shoulder injury from the shoulder injury in that preseason finale against Kansas City. Appears to have checked out fine there. And then Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson balled out the entire yeah. preseason. A lot for Mike Pettin to play with. Yeah, no question about it. Well, I want to get to talking a little bit about the Bears on the defensive side of the ball, but first a little sponsor business. At home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy, so grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, defensive side of the ball for the Bears. All the talk is about Khalil Mack, obviously, for <laughs> obvious reasons. But you know what? This is a guy, this is a pass rusher who's coming into a defense that's actually been pretty good at getting after the quarterback. Yeah. Akeem Hicks, Leonard Floyd, you throw in a top 10 draft pick in Roquan Smith at linebacker there. Uh, this this is an interesting mix now when you add Mac to the bunch because uh, I think the Bears were feeling pretty good about their defense and now they're really excited about their defense when they add the pass rusher from Oakland. Yeah, and with all due respect to that defense and what they have, you know, there considering what Vic Fangio's done with that unit the last two years when it just didn't seem like they really had a consistent number one pass rusher when there was a lot of questions in their secondary, they've they've had a really good marriage right here between what Ryan Pace has been able to bring in 
as far as prospects. When you look at Eddie Jackson coming in, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a protege of, of HaHa Clinton Dix and another safety product out of Alabama, right. the impact he made last year coming off the broken leg. Uh, Kyle Fuller obviously meant enough to them for them to match the offer sheet that he'd signed with Green Bay. He's still in their plans. He's still in their secondary. Uh, Prince of Mukamara, I mean, he signed a couple years ago. Uh, so you've seen it settle a little bit. But I think they were looking for that one guy to kind of put them over the top, and they feel like that guy's going to be Khalil Mack. And if you go off track record, it would indicate that this is the type of playmaker that they probably did need to take them to another level. So uh, the the football fan in me is really excited to see how this is going to play out. But but certainly, you know, for the NFC North and the NFC in general, that's a, that's a big guy. That's a big target. And, you know, he's obviously going to be gunning for your quarterback. Yeah, I mean, if I'm the Packers, obviously I'm looking at you know, figuring out how to protect Aaron Rodgers and whatnot with uh, with these pass rushes the Bears have because they are rather formidable. But I'm also looking at that Chicago secondary and saying, yeah, maybe that's, there are questions that, that, that might be yeah. that might be where the question marks are on this defense. Kyle Fuller, a veteran cornerback now. The Packers tried to sign him in the offseason. They signed him to an offer sheet as a uh, restricted free agent, but the Bears matched it, and uh, and he stayed in Chicago. And then you mentioned Eddie Jackson, I think a young up-and-coming talent at safety. But the other guys, Amukamara and Adrian Amos, uh, who's the other safety along with Jackson and Amukamara at corner, a couple of different types of guys there in that Amukamara, some people would say maybe he's past his prime, you know, maybe on the downside of his career. And then Amos, you know, still somewhat a young guy, but rather unknown in terms right. of maybe just where his career is headed. So some question marks there. The Bears are going to be counting on those guys to hold up, you know, on the back end with uh, with the real the full strength of that defense being in the front seven. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays yeah, out. Yeah, it's that's the ultimate question going into this time of year. But it is interesting though too in that I, I got to give them credit. While there are questions there, they've stuck with their guys. I mean, McManus, Callahan, Fuller—they've all been in this defense for years now. Uh, so they're ba- they're basing their their potential for this group off that experience, and also seeing where a guy like Rokon Smith can go throughout the course of a year. It seemed to me, going back to the draft last year, that that was probably the biggest unkept secret that that he would potentially be fitting in there because, yeah, they'd signed you know uh, a couple years ago. They had Danny Trevathan. They made some moves there, but. They really wanted a, a guy for the future at that spot, and they feel like Smith could be that guy. So seeing how that young talent meshes and how quickly Vic Fangio can give them up to speed, not only in this game but going on the rest of the season, yeah. as much as we have make out of Mack and, and Trubisky and those main facets, it's ultimately going to come down a lot of times to those complementary pieces. Yeah, what's your sense of how this Packers offensive line matches up pass protection-wise against this front? Because yeah. we saw in 2015 out in Oakland, Brian Balaga – held his own absolutely just fine against Khalil Mack. Now, Balaga's coming back from an ACL now, you know, limited a little bit through training camp and the preseason, obviously, but this is a veteran guy who's come back from an ACL before, and he's faced Khalil Mack before. You have the all-pro in David Bakhtiari at left tackle, and, uh, you know, the Packers feel really good about their interior with Lindsley flanked by Taylor and McRae there at guards, you know, this is going to be a big challenge for them, but certainly not one uh, that they're going to blink. By all indications, the Packers will have all five of those starting offensive linemen together. I know so much gets made out of the reps during the preseason, the reps during training camp. They didn't get a lot of those together as a full group. But at the same time, the story I always go back to is Corey Lindsley in 2014, the expectations for that team. And J.C. Treader was supposed to be the man at center. Well, Treader ends up having an injury. He's wiped out. 
Lindsley never even ends up taking a snap with Aaron yep. Rodgers until that first game against Seattle. And then you see where that offensive line went the rest of the year. Well, and even look at 2016. Josh Sitton ends up getting released right at the right. end of training camp, yep. and Lane Taylor steps in. It's, it was like nothing happened. There's, there's, there'd been some smooth transitions in what looked like some potentially rocky spots. Absolutely. And I'm glad you asked that question about Mac because it was asked of me in inbox, like, well, what is Brian Balaga? Is he ready for, for Khalil Mack? And the thing <laughs> I came back with is, is Khalil Mack ready for Brian Balaga? Because, <laughs> I mean, if you go back to what happened in Oakland, I think people forget that storyline a little bit. Uh, Khalil Mack was lighting the world on fire. He had nine sacks in three games yeah. going into the Raiders game. Before that game, the question was being asked of Bakhtiari and Balaga, what are you anticipating with this guy? And the Packers end up winning that contest. And while Mack did end up with one sack, he was pretty much negated most of that contest. Brian Balaga being able to get those reps last week, I wrote about it in our, our locker room report. I just think that's so valuable for him to at least get a little bit of a taste of what it's going to be like next to Justin yeah. McCray. McCray played Balaga's position for the second half of last season, right. so he knows what Balaga's going to want out of him now being at right guard. I, I just I think it's going to be a really good chess match. It's going to be great to see Bakhtiari and Balaga together again because really, Mike, as much as we make out of the quarterback and the pass rusher and the safeties and cornerbacks and the importance in today's game about that, you need two bookends now. The Packers were ahead of that curve. They understood that going back to 2013 and 14, yep. and they've benefited from that now with a, you know their franchise quarterback behind it. Well, it's quite a way to kick off the season. Sunday night football, primetime under the lights at Lambeau Field. The new LED lights at yeah. Lambeau Field will throw that in as well. But uh, um, one other thing I want to get to as a, uh, a little bit of a wrap-up to training camp here before we go today You've made it a tradition here since you joined us at Packers.com and in your days at the, the newspaper as well, writing a uh, one of those training camp bike riding stories every summer. And it took a little while for this one to come together, yeah. but you've got, <laughs> one, you've got one up on our website now as kind of a wrap-up to training camp with regards to Mason Crosby and a couple of really special bike riders that he got to know. Tell us about it. Well, first off, I have to actually give credit to Haley Helmley from our brand and marketing department on this one. She actually came up with the story idea. I can't claim it. Uh, but she had mentioned to me on the first day, uh, Crosby, every year, that first practice, he always rides down uh, with the Dream Drive initiative with a child with a physical disability. And typically it's with a, a modified bike where you don't use your feet for pedaling. Usually you'll use your hands. Okay. And Haley had mentioned, and she's like, you know, it's really incredible seeing Crosby at this juncture of his career still doing this. Because as you know, when veterans reach a certain point, they're no longer obligated to be out there. And to some extent, I don't think you want Aaron Rodgers out there because he's just going to get mobbed by people. <laughs> but but Crosby, it's an important thing for him. And he mentioned, you know, his children now come out. He's ridden with his children. I know, I believe Lane Taylor's done that as well. How cool um, is that? It's emotional. Yeah. You know, and, and, and what yeah. a way to start off camp. What a way to start off you know, the summer. And, and basically what happened is I ended up finding two different families. One of them was Francis Colley, uh, his family. He was the child that, that uh, rode with Mason during the first camp practice. Um, from the Milwaukee area. From correct. Wauwatosa, yeah, right. Milwaukee. And right. uh, he, he was diagnosed at an early age. Um, he has the syndrome, I believe, referred to as tetramelia, okay. which is where you're born without basically your limbs. And I was talking to his father, John, about it and, and how emotional that was for him and his wife. That was their firstborn at the time, the first ultrasound, 
confirm that diagnosis, and they worried what life was going to be like for him. But right. if you've seen photos of him and just videos of him, he has such a cute personality. He's such a go-getter, and he doesn't let anything stop him. The one thing that was kind of inhibiting him, though, a little bit was that he couldn't ride a bike. So through a, a partnership with a number of different uh, entities, I'm, I'm not going to have time to get into all of them, they were able to create a, a modified bike for him. He was able to go down with practice with Crosby. And the coolest story that John told was that you know, they were watching a preseason game later in training camp, and, and, you know, Francis, who's four years old, was like, oh, there's there's Mason Crosby. Like, he recognized him and has a new favorite player there. And then I also talked to Jenny Dickens uh, in the Dickens family, who is actually from Wisconsin, but they transplanted down to Tennessee, and her son, uh, nine-year-old Matthew, uh, made it a goal after seeing one of the live streams on Packers.com of the bike riders <laughs> coming down that he wanted to come up to Wisconsin. He wanted to ride bikes with Mason Crosby. His favorite player, because about four years ago, he asked some family members, well, who, who's, who scores the most points? <laughs> they said Crosby, and he had a new fan. And, and if you go on, the, you can go on Packers.com, read the whole story and his experience. But yeah. again, one of the reasons, that, and this goes back to, I think, 2015, I was still at the Press Gazette, and it was Sean Smith I was working with uh, and her agency, XM Sports, uh, with Casey Hayward. I did this for the first time okay. and, and his background and, and the connection he had with his rider. It's such a special special connection that those guys have and no doubt while Crosby doesn't have a set rider and he also doesn't ride any day every day anymore it's still very important to him and and uh, obviously got a got a lot out of it yeah I just love the image as I was reading through your story and with regards to the Dickens family in Tennessee I love the image of this family tossing their kids bike yeah. in, the, in the back of the van <laughs> or the truck or whatever it is and you know trucking all the way up to Green Bay from tennis I mean what that has to be 10 eight, hours 10 hour drive yeah. yeah I was gonna say at least eight at least eight hours each way Driving all the way up here, and uh, um, and he the kid uh, Matthew he made a sign right he did, so yep. to to try to let Crosby know that uh, that hey I'm here all the way from Tennessee so that you can ride my bike not just anybody yep. but you you're my favorite player and um, and then from your story it sounds like Crosby Crosby didn't actually come out the first day that right. Matthew was there but. Um, but Hunter Bradley, the long snapper, saw the sign and either during practice, after practice, at some point mentioned it to Crosby that somebody was here from Tennessee right. to uh, to get him to ride his bike. And uh, so then Crosby and the mom connected on Twitter and then okay. and they arranged it so that the next day they could make it happen. I just I, I just I love stories like that. I think it's really cool. You told it very well. But uh, and and as you mentioned, the uh, the the ride with um i'm forgetting the the collie boy's first name oh francis francis yes the ride the ride with uh, francis with the specialized bike and everything like that only in green bay right Wes? yeah and, and if you know anything about crosby and just where he's come from and you know his brother was a massive packers fan when he got drafted here in 2007 he, uh, you know, Reese is the one that kind of opened his eyes to all the traditions and gave him yeah. sort of the, the, the background on everything. So there was a foundation there to begin with, but it just with, with Crosby now a father of five, and I'd asked him about that, you know, and he sees some of these children dealing with, you know, difficulties and, you know, special, special disabilities, um, you know, it makes him grateful for what he has. And also um, makes him want to, you know, give back in those situations too, because he knows what it's like to be a father. And I thought the coolest quote, and the whole story was John mentioning, you know, him and his wife worried for so many years what it would be like for Francis in school, what it would be like for him in just daily life, you know, if he'd ever be able to ride a bike. And seeing him now, uh, now that he's going into pre-K and everything, 
he doesn't worry anymore. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, that's uh, that's everything you could ever hope for. And these are stories that inspire the players. They oh, get totally. To know these guys yeah. in professional football who have reached the top of their profession, they get inspired by seeing what uh, what these kids do and how and how dedicated they are to their own lives. Yeah, and, and I don't think there's anyone probably more grounded on the team than Crosby. Um, you know, he knows what it was like going through 2012. He understands. Uh, how fleeting this moment is. Um, so to be able to embrace that uh, is is obviously really big for him, and it also keeps things in perspective too. If he has a bad practice or a you know a missed field goal, that um, you know there's a bigger picture to everything too. Yeah, no question about it. Well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com on Twitter. He's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers. Still the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.